Hey, hey, friends, I'm Thea Charles, and you are listening to the Push or Pivot podcast. In this series, we discuss the path someone chooses when they are at a crossroads of their life. Do they push through the adversity, or do they stop, reassess, and pivot? Our guest is Guy Ramsey Jr. Guy is a Bachelor's of Social Work holder and the host of Some Guy's Opinion podcast. Welcome, welcome, Guy. I am so happy to have you on the Pusher Pivot. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, I was excited when I first read about you, and I really think that like what you're going to share with us is going to be really great, and I think that we're going to get a lot of value out of it. Um, but before we jump in, can you tell us a little background on yourself? Okay. So my name is Guy Ramsey Jr., I'm from PG County, Maryland, specifically Upper Marlboro. I'm a graduate of Ferrum College uh, with a bachelor's of social work. Uh, currently, I work as a site director for a nonprofit. I also host my own podcast and writing a comic book and some other stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome, awesome. I love the name of your podcast, Some Guys Opinion. I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. I love it. Um, so when you were going for your, for your bachelor's degree in social work, you came up with a, with a crossroads. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. So my crossroads actually, I mean, looking back, seeing the whole thing, it was always sort of there. It started, um, my freshman year, just, um, when I was, cause my freshman year, I was undecided in which degree I was going to pick. Um, and what ended up happening, I was I was deciding between communications and social work. What ended up happening, there was a suicide attempt in my dorm. Um, and yeah, and so, and, I, and the reason I tell this story is so people, because I was very fortunate how this all turned out, but it's an example of how you have to be careful in doing the right thing and recognize that it's good to not put yourself in a vulnerable situation and the way i was put in that vulnerable situation was so we had, we had RAs. RAs are you know also if you've been to college you know RAs are they're students too so they're not necessarily like super always like the most professional depending on which type of RA you get so my was just you know in in his mind he's like they're basically in him and the female are they were coordinating and they're basically just like okay well she has just attempted her roommate's gone we have to put her somewhere. I, my roommate had left school. Like, he had, like, dropped out. He wasn't at school anymore. So they're just like, oh, we'll just put her in his room. Can we just, she's like, you have an extra bed. Can we just put her in room? So they're just like, all right. So I'll just, like, move the bed down, and she just, like, sleeps on the bed. In retrospect, it is a horrible situation for me to be in <laughs> because you have someone who's just sort of, you know, gone through this very traumatic experience, at this point, I'm a freshman in college. It's not like I've, you know, I've taken some intro to social work classes, but I haven't been trained or anything like that. So I'm in a very, very wrong position. She's profusely crying and like all these other things. So I eventually had to calm her down. And from there, that kind of spurred, that kind of spurred me to go to social work because of how I handled that situation with no training. And I handled it pretty well um, for her, from her account, from my account. It seemed like it got handled pretty well. So fast forward, I'm doing social work. I get to my senior year and my, my first senior year, which was my fourth year in school. And I just, 
hearing all the stories over time, both in the field, outside the field, has started to take its toll. And when you're hearing all those stories, it can sometimes just, it can wear on you. It can also, it can just, it can wear on your view of the world. It can, you know, it can start to affect you. I was, work had gotten ramped up. So there were more papers, assignments were bigger. You know, it's just, and just, I was in college is already hard as is. It's even harder when you're having to deal with, you know, like your own personal stuff, how you feel while balancing it, hearing all these other stories. So eventually I just sort of just, my pipe burst. I was completely tapped out. I couldn't focus enough to even type a page on a computer screen. Uh, my room was in shambles. Like just my bed was slipped over. There were papers everywhere. And, you know, at this point I was like living by myself. I didn't have a roommate. So it was even worse just because there was no one there to sort of just go. Um, he seems like he's kind of like not like I was I was always I was literally just by myself a lot of the time so it was it was tough it was also just like we we didn't the year before I got released to being around my friends there was a central place where we could all meet up um even though I was around them it was just I just everything started falling apart um so I ended up taking medical leave from school um, which was like a big thing. And that was like a hard thing for me to accept to do was because it was me acknowledging that, you know, you have to say like, yeah, I have depression. So I'm going to take medical leave, which my school was super, which both my professors, Dr. Bowling and Dr. Jenny West, they were like super supportive the entire time. They're just like, you know, we just want to make sure you get better. We should, like, don't worry about the schoolwork. Just, just go home, get yourself together, come back. And they were still like texting me and asking me for updates the entire time when I was like, um, when I was taking medical leave from school, I started seeing a counselor. Uh, I want to say yeah, once a week I was seeing a counselor um, for the entire time I was um, not in school. Uh, so that was a, I want to say like four or five months. And then I went back. And when I went back, it was almost like, all right, I'm going to go back. You know, things are going to be good like they were before, but then you've been gone almost a year plus everything's changed like everything's different you know at this point my friends they all had like sort of just like they had all moved to this one side of the dorm they were all together and I picked out my dorm because I came back late so I was kind of by myself I had a roommate who I started to bond with uh fast forward with him he gets kicked out of school so the one friend who I was kind of making who I like got to come back and just like hang out with and talk with who I was really fond of he gets kicked out of school. So now, and now I was a year ahead of all the people I was friends with. They were juniors. They're now seniors. So now everybody's busy. I'm even more isolated now because while they can still see each other when they go to dorms and everything, no one's walking across campus to like come hang out with me. Like I'm literally just by myself. The frat known since my freshman year, they graduated. So it was just, and then I'm still having to deal with all the senior stuff that I have to do as well as still having to maintain doing an internship, like where I'm still, I'm doing all this different stuff. And it just, it, it was tough. It was like the real world's coming in. So there's all these, so now there's that pressure of how am I going to get a job? How am I going to, what am I going to do next? And I was questioning, do I even want to do social work anymore? I was kind of just worried about like, is this even, is this even right? I was like, is this even right for me? 
you know, and just, and I'm there, but it, you can't like, you know, switch degrees last minute. So it's like, we'll just finish it. And now I'm so stressed about that. It's just, there were so many things going on simultaneously that I wasn't really sure where to go. So to get back to the push or pivot, I chose to push because pivoting would have been possibly either dropping out of school or starting over. But I just said, you know what? I came this far. I can get the degree and then I'll go from there. Cause I was like, I'll get the degree. You have it, which is what I would tell anyone who's like, if you're at a senior year, even if it's something you don't think you want to do anymore, just get the degree. Cause it opens a lot of doors for you. Right. So I went and I got, I got the degree. I finished up and what ended up happening was because I stayed my senior year, I got to do my internship, which really just really changed my perspective on a lot of things and my perspective on social work. Cause I got to see stuff that wasn't the traditional social work that people talk about. I got to see people being advocates. I got to talk on mental health panels. I got to do this really cool stuff. I got to work with the vice mayor a lot and like go to his barbershop talk, which was televised. So I got to have my first like um, interview done by a news reporter, like the local newspaper. My name was in the paper and that was like so cool to me because I didn't think I would ever do anything like that. I was on CBS, like even though it was for like a quick little clip and they showed my face, I was on CBS. It was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It was like I was getting to meet all these amazing people and do all these different things, which it just, it really changed my perspective on life. Um, It led me to my next job, which was, Right after I graduated, I taught for um, nine weeks with uh, Smith Mountain Lake Good Neighbors. So that was really amazing, getting to, like, teach kids and just, like, because I had the degree. Like, I just, I could just, I was like, all right, yeah. Like, they were like, oh, you just graduated? Sure, like, come teach with us. So I got to teach kids for nine weeks without having to be certified anything. I just got to teach them. And it was really fun, and I got to make those connections with them. And they were really just, it was just a beautiful experience to be able to see the impact directly and it was even with that and like it was it was seeing that that's a part of social work it's not just the stuff that people complain about as far as just like oh you just take kids away like no it's not that yes does sometimes that happen with child protective services of course but there's so many different facets and avenues to go into that and being able to spend the extra year in college in addition to the four I'd already spent, I got to see all sides of everything to get to the point where I was like, okay, you know, I don't have to be a traditional social worker. I can still, like, social work is a very diverse thing, and it's not confined to just a caseworking job. It can be you speaking on a panel. It can be you going out in the community and doing community organizing. It takes on so many different forms. And I think even though I had ta- I, I knew that on some level, it was actually getting to do it firsthand that really, that really made a difference for me. And that really just changed my mindset. Wow. Wow. First, I just want to say, I just love how your voice changed no like you could just feel the passion what you have for your work it changed once you talked about how that door was open for you it was just like a whole different y'all can't see you but i can see you like you just changed (laughs) i i I just have to say that was just really an awesome thing to experience um thank you I i love 
how to say this. I like in your story, just like kind of the importance of protecting your space, like yourself. Yeah. And I like, you know, how you talked about just so openly and candidly about going to see your counselor and how that helped you. And especially seeing that that doesn't always come from a male perspective. And I think that's really, really important to hear. Yeah, and no, I mean, that's working. So like in my internship, I actually worked at a domestic violence agency and I was responsible for getting all these churches in the area. That was my job my senior year. That was essentially my big senior project that I really like that my, my senior always joked to me. He was just like, you know, I'm getting to steal on you because I'm not paying you anything. And man, I should be because it was a project he had wanted to get started for so long. But I was just I was going to each church in the area. There was over 200 churches. And when I was I was doing all this research because I was like, I got to work twice as hard because I'm I'm like I'm 22 at the time. If they're going to listen to me, I have to know what I'm talking about. I have to really like be doing the research to back up what I'm saying and have the facts and everything and statistics, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that I thought that really came up to me was just looking up consent, looking up domestic violence. I was like, you know, that male side of it is lost. And just in like, and it wasn't for the reasons that people would think I was like, I was looking at it and I was just like, I started to see the pattern, basically all the things that keep women from coming forward that keep women from speaking out are the same things that keep men from speaking out. Yeah. And I had to explain this. I gave a barbershop talking to sent to a group of young men with the vice mayor at his event. That's the one that was televised. And it was talking to them. I remember just, I asked one of them, I said, okay, what does consent mean? He's like, oh yeah, it's, it's, you know, when a woman, you know, it, you have to ask a woman and no means no. And I was like, okay, you're half right. But why, but what's it again? He's like, it's one on woman. I was like, okay. I was like, does no one, no one, no one get what he's missing? Never was like looking around. I'm like, why did he say woman and not man or woman? And everybody went, and he just went, and I was like, do you know why? And he was like, I, I, I don't know. I never really thought about it. And I was like, it was like, listen, it's like, I'm not, he's like, I'm not doing, and I'm like, I'm not doing this to call you out. Like, that's a very common thing. Like, you're not alone. Most people, when they think of consent, they think, oh, yeah, it's when a woman does, it's when you, no means no, woman X, Y, Z. And one of the biggest things I found when I was doing the research for consent was almost like in, as time goes on, our views and philosophies change, like with stranger danger. Like, at first, stranger danger was, that was everything. That was like the stranger danger. And then people realized, well, no, like the majority of sexual assaults are by people you know. So stranger danger, while it happens, it's not nearly as big as we're making it out to be. Like, it's not just a stranger. You got to be worried about the people, you know, like just, and so when I was talking with him, it was like, you know, consent as far as the no means no thing. It's like, yes, if you say no means no, that means everything else means yes. And it's like, in consent can get so much more complex than that to, but to bring it back to just like the male perspective it was saying like listen you guys are young men like recognize that don't feel like just because you're a young man you have to prove your manhood by having sex when you don't want to don't prove it's your young man that it it means you can't go see a counselor or you can't be sad today 
or you're not allowed to cry, you're not allowed to feel or show emotions. Like, and also, anger isn't the only emotion you're allowed to show. Like, there's a whole spectrum of emotions. And it's kind of just like, listen, I'm not, listen, I understand you want to be tough. I, I get it. I get it. We all want to be tough. We all don't want to, like, let our guard down. But I was like, how easy is it to say how tough you are? It's really easy. How hard is it to cry in front of someone? Like, do you ever want to cry in front of anybody? All of them like, no, nah, no, nah, exactly. You don't. Yeah. I was like, but the last thing you want to do is like, listen, I'm not saying you got to cry in front of everybody. I get it. Listen, I understand being guarded. I understand not to let people hurt you. But I'm like, you got to, I was like, you got to talk to someone. So I was like, so go see a counselor. And I'm a big advocate in seeing counselors for everybody, man, woman, whatever, just mm -hmm. because that is your time where you get to just talk about you yeah. and like friends they're great it's, it's great we are friends to lean on but your friends have their own stuff mm -hmm. and sometimes it's nice when you can just walk in and you don't have to worry about oh my gosh i'm talking about myself too much let me let them go it's like no the counselor it, they are there to listen to you that is your time for however long your session is 30 minutes an hour 20 however it is that is about you that is about you and if you go see a counselor and you just want to walk in and just yell and kick and scream or whatever about you know what this is terrible da, 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 they'll let you do that and you know they'll talk to you afterwards but they'll let you you know say what you have to say and work out you know your problems in in a non-judgmental space and that's huge that's huge to be able to say things like that that's huge to be able to not have to worry about someone leaking information to someone else. That's huge to be able to, you know, not have someone say, you know, just for example, if, you know, cause it's just like a, a perfect example. I'll use, let me not use that one. Uh, a perfect example is just like <laughs> confidentiality. Number one thing, confidentiality. But, um, oh, here's example. Let's just say, um, if you're, for, oh, this is a perfect example, right? So, no one has a perfect relationship with their parents, right? Like, no one does. It's, no one has a perfect relationship. But one thing that you will always know about your parents is if you talk to one about the other, it's going to get back to the other because the last thing they want to be doing is caught up in a situation where they have to lie and their spouse is looking at them like, what? Oh, so you're keeping secrets now? Like, no one wants to be in that situation. You got to understand, like, no matter how close you are to your father or your mother, when it comes in regards to the other one or about your siblings or whatever the case may be, you know, y'all are family. So that dynamic, they're not going to want to take sides in anything. Whereas your counselor, she's not necessarily taking a side, but she's willing to hear you out without chiming in going, oh, but you know, that's just your brother. Oh, you know how your dad is. You know, it's, it's none of that. It's they're going to listen to you and hear you out and hear your perspective in its entirety. It's not going to get cut off. It's not going to, they're just going to listen to you. So I'm a big advocate in seeing someone and not just, you know, the only reason I'll bring up religion is just because I was in the Bible belt. I was in Fair in Virginia. So that was prevalent. And a big thing at these panels that was constantly talked about was don't think you can just pray it away. No one's, and that doesn't mean don't pray. You can pray. But if we were to believe that God put everyone, that God made everybody special, then these special people who went to school and learned to be counselors are there for you, for you to listen to, uh, excuse me, for them to listen to you, mm -hmm. you know, so see someone. I'm a big advocate of seeing someone talking about it. Don't. Like, don't do what I did and just, you know, if I could do it all over again, I'd have been seeing a counselor 
when I was way younger, way younger, just even if it was once a month, just see one and go more than once. Because some people, they, they'll go more than once, they'll go once, they'll be really good. I'm like, all right, I'm good now. It's like, no, 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 no. That's the start. Like, you're, you're, that's the start. Because a big, because the thing is, what I really found out was you don't go see a counselor when something's wrong. You go see them beforehand so it never gets to the point where you're at the last edge. You're like, oh my gosh, I have to see a counselor. I have to, I absolutely have to. It should be a, you know what? I can, it, it should be a luxury. It should be, you don't have to go where you feel like you have to go. You should go because it helps you. But then obviously if something comes up or something big happens, then you go more frequently. And then, you know, you take off. Like, it's like, just look at it. I say just look at a counselor almost like cold medicine. Like yeah. you take it when you need it. Yeah. So that's, that's my thing as far as regards to that. Sorry to go off on a tangent. I just like, no, I really want to say that. No, I, don't, not a I think that's something really important because people think about going to see counselors when they're at the end. And it's nice mm -hmm. to have that relationship with someone ahead of time to, uh, for, for counseling. Um, there's something that you had mentioned in your, when you were talking that I thought, would be really poignant for right now because right now I don't know when anyone listens to this but we're all I don't like in COVID-19 lockdown and quarantine and I just kind of saw a little parallel with that with you coming back to school like when we when the world opens back up it's not necessarily going to be exactly the same like we've all right. we're growing right now within our homes things might feel different and where am I going with this I feel like you're going yeah no I, I think we're going with it um, cause I talked with, I had a relationship person on my podcast and we talked about this, talked about how, like, once we come back after this, there's probably going to be a lot of breakups. There's probably gonna be a lot of divorces. There's going to just be a lot of just people trying new things. We're going to, it's going to be positive and negative cause there's going to be people who are like, who come back and you might think, think, you know, Hey, I'm coming back to the same person. And it's not the case. A lot of people are being forced to kind of examine themselves and when you were forced to examine yourself growth comes or it, it, that's what's supposed to happen or you find out you need help to grow and you know that growth happens and you might come back and you might find out the person that you were dating at one point is very different and it's you might find you know geez like what, what happened you changed they might just go listen honestly like i just don't feel the same way about you anymore and that's gonna suck and it did, things are going to be different. And that can be, a, that's a huge cause in depression is like big changes like that and going through trauma. And, you know, to sort of segue into this, the one thing I think that the world's getting better at, but that is definitely going to be needs to happen when we come back eventually is being able to call, start recognizing that just because you didn't almost die doesn't mean the event was not traumatic. Yes. Right. Like, and that's a big thing. It's just like I like, cause I feel that way. Cause you know, I mean, so many people like dealing with depression. It almost jumps immediately. Like, oh, well, did you ever think about suicide? And I'm like, well, no. I mean, I never got there. And you almost feel like, well, dang. Like, do I have even right right to complain? Like, yeah, I was depressed, but I I was never at that point. So do I have the right to even tell my story? Like, am I just being like fraudulent saying? And it's like, no. Like, certain things are traumatic. Like, if your father tells you he's disappointed you that is, that can be traumatic for you depending on how close you are with your father if you have a really bad breakup that can be traumatic for you depending on how bad the you know if the breakup's really bad it's all about how it is to you 
Like, and we have to start giving ourselves license to say, you know what? I was really affected by that. Like that did hurt me instead of feeling like, no, 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 no. I got to just brush it off. It's not a big deal. Like, it's okay to say, you know what? That actually did hurt me. You know what? That was a big, that this was a very messed up experience for me. I am disappointed that I didn't get that job. You know, like it, it meant a lot to me, you know what? And it's, and that's okay. It's okay to acknowledge those experiences and be able to say, you know what? It's traumatic. So when you come back and, you know, things aren't the same, give yourself that license to say, you know what, this is, this is sucky right now and I don't like it, but that, and I'm allowed to feel that way. Don't feel like, oh, well, other people had a worse, other people lost loved ones, da, da, da. Like, it's always good to keep perspective um, and recognize that it could have been worse, but that does not mean what happened to you was bad. And just, and just like like perfect example I have I had um a woman on my part she was former sex worker she was sexually assaulted she was in Hurricane Harvey her son had Lyme disease just been through through the whole ringer and she even talked about how sometimes when she shares her story she feels like she's being fraudulent and I was like if you and I was like it just her being open about that just made me go shoot if she feels fraudulent then everybody probably feels fraudulent yeah and it's a very it's a very common thing and it's recognize like give yourself the license to say you know what i wasn't okay today and that's okay like don't feel like your suffering didn't meet some imaginary quota to be relevant like your suffering's relevant regardless of you know that's so great thank goodness i want to ask you for another piece of advice (laughs) (laughs) so much i'm like oh can i even i'm going to (laughs) go for it man i love talking (laughs) oh good give us if you could give the audience one piece of advice, what would it be? One piece of advice I would give you is never feel like never feel like it is too late to make a change. Never feel like it's too late to make a change. Um, and when I say that, I mean, you know, I felt like uh, for a while that I mean I felt like it was too late to make a change from social work and I was like you know it's not too late you know but then also in that same breath don't feel like you have to commit one way or the other um really just like remember that you're the expert of you like not anyone else not your mom not your dad not your uncle you are the expert of you so you know, if, if, if getting advice from people is how you think, perfect, do that, but recognize that it is your choice at the end of the day, and you are the one who has to live with it, period. So do not do something because, well, I think it'll make this person proud. No, no, do what you want to do because it is what you want to do. Now, understand, circumstances come in the way. We get caught between a rock and a hard place. But if you get caught between a rock and a hard place, make sure you are going to work yours. You are still setting yourself up to get to where you want to get to. Even if it's a backwards, windy, sideways, over the river, above the rainbow path, make sure it is a path that ends up where you want to get to. Because the worst thing, like, because the worst thing you can do is go somewhere else because someone else because it's like well you know that's what my mom wanted me to do that's my dad or that's my cousin or that's what well my friend said that no like because they're not gonna have to live your life because 
the first thing I've found that happens is when you are there and then you're upset, they're like, oh, dang, why'd you pick that? It's like, well, you always tell me to pick that. Oh, why don't you listen to me? It's like, they're, they're quick to, like, absolve themselves of blame. So it's just like, so, you know, no one's, I mean, ha- like, just no one's going to like, No, not everybody's going to like you. Not everyone's going to agree with your decision. So you might as well just do what makes you happy. So really just do what makes you happy. As long as it's not hurting anybody, do what makes you happy. See a counselor and just love yourself first. There's nothing selfish about loving yourself. And the thing I had to learn was it is okay to if someone approaches you and they're like, man, I really talk about this. There's nothing wrong with saying, I love you. I don't have any more to give today. Like, I love you. I do. I, I just, I can't give any more today. I'll be happy to talk to you tomorrow. I'll be happy to talk to you next week. But right now, this is what I have to do. I, I do love you. I do care. But you don't want to get in that habit of dropping everything. Like, yeah, I'm going to drop it. That's the right thing. Like it is in the movies because the movies don't, the movies are fake. Like, sorry to tell you, movies are fake and they don't show you the real part of, oh, yeah, I dropped everything for you. And then you flip it around. Oh, can you drop everything for me? And then they don't. You're like, well, why didn't you do it? It's like, you gotta, it's not, it's not a bad, it's not a bad thing to look out for you and make sure you're okay first. Like, cause you huge thing that I've, that has been repeated to me over and over again, no matter who I've talked to in social work, in life, etc. You cannot take care of your, cannot take care of others if you aren't taking care of yourself. It is the worst thing you can do, and you will end up hurting everybody involved. The person you're trying to help, yourself, people around you, you got to make sure you're okay first. And then once you're okay, you can think about helping others. Once you're stable and you're secure, you can think about, all right, you know what? Let me talk to you about this and let me listen. But if you're going through the same thing they're going through, like, you know, how much can you really help them? Because if you haven't figured it out, you kind of just giving them – and advice, because I mean, when I was going through my depression, I saw people who just, you know, what, what should I do about this? Da, da, da. I'm like, well, first and foremost, um, I'm, you know, I would tell you to talk to a counselor because I'm not clinically trained. Like, you know, I've I've been trained in the training and whatnot. I'm trained how to deal with suicide, but in first aid, mental health first aid, I, I have had a lot of trainings. But I would tell you, go see someone who they will specific, they are specifically trained to deal with what you're going through. And it is their job to bring you in, listen to you, and help you work through those issues. Like I'm your friend, I'll support you. Heck, I'll look, I'll look, I'll look with you. We'll find them together. I'll walk you through there. But you gotta go see them, cause I'm still working on me, or I'm still stable with me. And you know, this is the person over here. It's literally their job. Like that's that's their job. They're built for this. Yeah. It's not that I'm not. It's just I'm your friend. And you don't want to get to a point where your friendship becomes based on a mute. You don't want to get to a point where your friendship just becomes, you become their therapist. Right. You, you don't want to get to that point because it's a very fine line to walk. And oftentimes you fall off that line. So that would be, if I was going to give, probably give like three pieces of advice, but, um, you know, <laughs> see your counselor, be happy with yourself and don't take care of others unless you're trying to take, unless you're taking care of yourself first, take care of yourself first. And I think that is sound advice. So sound and very important to know. 
and to be reminded of. Gosh, thank you so much. Guy, how, how can people find you? Uh, so you can find me on Instagram, Facebook. Um, if you type in Facebook, if you type in some guy's opinion, TM, Facebook page will pop up on Instagram and Twitter at some guy's opinion. I'll pop up, th I'll pop up there. You can find my podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can email me at someguysopinion.founder at gmail.com. Um, I do I do my podcast and all sorts of things. I'm also currently working with Vonix Art on a comic book. I can actually announce this now. We're officially working on a, a comic book uh, that I'm writing. She's drawing, she, I'm writing, she's illustrating uh, based on, there's three chapters on Webpad for that story, Depression Kills the Monster Within. Um, you can also find another story I've written on Wattpad, uh, Mage Hunters. If you type in some guy's opinion, it's under that banner too. So just wherever you want to find me, just some guy's opinion. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'll be checking out that comic book. <laughs> yeah. So not, not anytime soon. So probably by the time this episode is, if this episode is airing now in July, then it, it should be out by then, hopefully. Very good. I'll be I'll be waiting. <laughs> keep me keep me posted on that. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so so much for being on the show and sharing. This was just really incredible. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. I'd love to come back. Yeah, definitely. What did you take away from Guy's story? How can you take care of yourself? I'm Thea Charles, and I hope you gain insight from this story and that you'll share this podcast with a friend. If you'd like to learn more about the Push or Pivot podcast, visit us on the web at pusherpivot.com or Instagram at pusherpivot. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and join me next time on the Push or Pivot podcast.